Arrival? During this quarantine? I think you guys should stay home. But before we get into it, I want to thank you for checking out the podcast. We have a great discussion today with special guest filmmaker Cassie Chang. You can check out her films on her YouTube channel at Cassie Chang on YouTube. C-A-S-S-I-E-C-H-A-N-G. I hope you can join us in conversation for our next film. This one's kind of special. We're going to be watching a Chilean horror film, La Casa Lobo, or The Wolf House, if you're into that sort of thing, that is available to stream on the FridaCinema.org website. This is a non-profit, independent art house theater that is currently closed, but they're still hosting movies to stream on their website. Now, these tickets are going to be $12, but it is going to a non-profit, to a good cause, to keeping a, a fantastic theater alive during these tough times. And uh, it looks like a pretty scary, pretty cool movie. I think it's uh, going to be something special to see. Email your thoughts to me here at projectorfuel at gmail.com. We will be recording the podcast for that on May 17th, Sunday in the afternoon. So send it to me by May 17th at noon, and that'll go up on the 18th. We'd love to hear from you, and maybe we can learn a little bit from each other. All right, let's get started with Alien Town. Adam, ask Cassie how she's doing. Cassie Chang, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Definitely quarantine has been... um... Definitely keeping everyone's moods a little lower, but for the most part, I'm definitely doing okay. Okay. Um, Well, you know, I I really wanted to get you on the podcast, and uh, thankfully you agreed to do it. Thank you. I asked you what movie you'd want to watch, and you resoundingly said Arrival. You said it twice, I think. Yes. Why did you pick this movie? It's funny. People always ask me if I have a favorite movie, especially as a filmmaker. People Mm -hmm. are always like, oh, what's your favorite movie? Um, Oftentimes, I say that it's hard to choose one but I think now it's very apparent that I this is probably it what do I like about this movie though (sighs) where do I even begin first of all I do like a lot of Denny's movies oftentimes they kind of deal with like very psychological topics this is not any different from that I think I think the other thing I like about it oh oh, I feel like it's hard talking about (laughs) movies you like but Let's okay. Let's start with performance because I think Amy Adams did an incredible job acting in this role. There's so many like really subtle kind of performances that she puts out, mm-hmm. and I think that's just she just does a really good job. And she was actually nominated for an Oscar, I think, but snubbed. It's fine. She hasn't won one. We're not upset. That's She'll definitely one aspect I like. She'll get it one day. She'll get it one day. Um, her performance is definitely one of the reasons. And then, um, of course, the cinematography. Oh, right. my God. I think, uh, you know, what draws me into this movie the most is, is definitely the tone. Opening shot? Yeah. Oh, the tone. Uh, or even the opening shot. I mean, there's just so many awesome, sweeping, slow movements of the camera, you know, that, that <laughs> in a very classy way capture what's going on, you know, just this mood. The slowness of the film is so captivating. Even the first opening image, I'm just going to pull it up so I can just kind of like <laughs> fawn over it. Okay. Um, even the opening image and how, shut up, <laughs> so, this movie is so good. <laughs> but like the opening image and music, mm-hmm. there's like the slow fade in to Amy's character's house. And then it's just the slow pan, slow dolly in. And it's like, everything is blue. Everything is dark. Everything is moody. And it's like, you're so right. Mm-hmm. It really sets an incredible, 
incredible like tone. Like you can feel a lot just from this opening image. Mm-hmm. And she has this little voiceover too, um, in which where she's talking to her daughter. Right. Um, in this kind of like uh, in an up moment, it almost you know we have we get this little tidbit of her life, and it's a very depressing right. moment. Everything about this opening image, my God, the cinematography. Also, I'm a fan of like blues and movies. I think when I when I shot our film just not too long ago, I kept I kept telling our DP Carlos. I was like, we need so much blue. We need more blue. We need more blue. Because blue was just like, I don't know what about it. It's very melancholic in film. And I think that really is resonated throughout like this film as well. It's a weird because you, it's hard to call this movie. It's, it's not colorful, but the colors Mm -hmm. that it uses are so emphasized and so like uh, precise. Right. You know, like you're saying, it's these blue colors. A lot of these moments are very dark when she's uh I mean, the aliens themselves is a very dark uh, set. But mm-hmm. when we do get like a flush of color, it's when we're first visiting the alien ship and it's the greens of Montana, I think, with the rolling yeah. clouds. Right, right, right. Pretty stunning shot. It's, it's, a, it's an obvious message of sort of, or a story of, in a way of overcoming grief, right? I mean, science fiction so often likes to use these great grand metaphors of things Uh like aliens or time travel or whatever to deal with some, you know, personal problem. And Mm -hmm. I think this is, is her overcoming grief in like uh, a very uh, enlightened existential way. But it's interesting because so much of the movie doesn't have to do with that. You know, so much of the movie is just living in the moment with these aliens. I was going to say, however, you say that the movie is about overcoming grief, but I don't Mm. think that's particularly true, considering that the the majority of the movie is we realizing that she didn't, she doesn't even know who these, who this girl is, Mm -hmm. um, because these are flash forwards of her future, right? Right. Um, Where she has her daughter. I I think that it's very valid to say that it is kind of overcoming grief, but I don't think that's the strongest message in the movie mm-hmm. rather i think it's trying to say that um <laughs> louise is just living at towards at the end of the movie she realizes that the daughter she has or will have in the future mm-hmm. is going to pass away so like one of the conflicts at that point um towards the end is like well one of the one of the like moral conflicts is well why should i have this daughter knowing that she's going to have cancer and then die Right. But she chooses to do so anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's I think it's about just treasuring the moments that you will have regardless of possible grief, possible like obstacles that, that might come. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, like a smile that, because it happened concise. kind of thing. Smile because it happened, don't mm-hmm. cry because it's over. And I think that's very much the message. Okay. Um, and yeah. it's just incredible in that way. I feel that. How does that relate to? I mean, it's so strong and it's incredible <laughs> and just everything about it. Um, but how does that relate to color palette? Is what I was wanting to kind of tie into. Right. Um, honestly, I don't know. I can't think of something right off the top of my head. I'm not very analytical in that way. I don't think. But, well, I have to agree um, with you. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like, not thinking sure. about it, you know, I, I wouldn't know if there's an exact correlation either. It seems a lot that it's just, uh, it was more a choice of style. Tone. Yeah, exactly. Right, tone, right. Which, which it does, you know, right. excellently. So it nailed that in, in that way. Um, uh, I think the reason I wanted to very much tie in the message to the, um, 
color palette question though was that like I think oftentimes as a filmmaker mm-hmm. you have these questions like as especially since I recently just directed mm-hmm. oftentimes like any decision that you make people will ask you well what's your reasoning behind behind this what's the is does it motivate the story you mm-hmm. know no I guess I'm also not Denise so I don't <laughs> I can't <laughs> right. I can't think of too much on that yeah. Yeah, he probably has some great reason, you know, but he can, you know, I like when directors take that sort of David Lynch approach and uh, Uh don't have to explain everything, you know, it's just, that's true. They did Mm -hmm. what they did. And it's up to us to, to like, just figure it out or let it wash over us, which I think if we let this movie wash over us, we definitely get that feeling of holy cow, aliens are here. Mm -hmm. What the heck's going on? You have you you haven't gotten a chance to read the short story yet by Ted Chang. No, I know a bit about it. Okay. Um, just generally like where the plot leads. Yeah, it's it's really excellent. I actually read it a long time. I'm really I'm a big sci-fi literature nerd, and I read it uh, oh. before that arri- before Arrival I think was even announced, and I remember going to see Arrival and not knowing that it was based on that, and everything sort of happening, and I was like, wait a second, I. Oh. I feel like I've seen this before. Sounds um, familiar. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it's interesting. I think the, the, the short story is quite excellent. And there's a lot of okay. you know, differences, obviously, in adapting this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the greatest, there's two specifically great translations into like a visual medium that uh, I think Denny and the screenwriter should get credit for. And one of them is uh, the sort of overlapping of sounds. Uh, that happened throughout the movie when she, you know when when she's getting more engrossed into their language and she's starting to hear her daughter or hear the bird yeah right um and i i really like i think that works so well you know because how else are you going to like convey your your whole timeline getting mixed up uh, right. but then the other thing is and they they do this kind of in the story but they really focus on in the movie is the idea of using a written language to make the communications go on between these two people, you know, immediately we're involved into this very complex, linguistically challenging story. There's so many complicated ideas going on in this movie, but there's not a lot of dialogue, you know, it gets across so simply. That's also a reason why I like this is how silent it is and how, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about earlier, how slow. Mm -hmm. What was your reasoning for bringing up the language? Uh, or what was the reason for oh, in this, that? Oh, well, cuz in the story they actually she starts uh, the, the story actually goes pretty heavy into the linguistics and it takes a, a different turn. Okay. Um but the, a lot of what she's learning is uh their vocal language also. And in the movie gotcha. they they stick to the circles of language which I think is Right. I mean visually right. awesome but also just easy to to pick up on. I forget who did it. I think it was Do you know Nerdwriter? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did a really interesting video pointing out the kind of circularness of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because if you kind of notice, so, I mean, the language is definitely one, but there's there's this constant like idea of circling around. Even in like the very beginning where you, you see um, Luis walk through that hospital. It's like I, a 2001 a circular, Space Odyssey thing. Y- yes, I think, I think I know. You're talking about the hospital, right? Yeah, because... Uh... You know the scene in 2001 when he's jogging, he's jogging around their station. In the spaceship? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And I got that same exact feeling when she's walking through the hospital because it's a long corridor right. that curves. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I remember, I don't know if this is from 
Nerdwriter's video, but it was said somewhere or read it somewhere. I don't remember. Um, but Dania constantly just wanted to circle around this idea of circularness mm -hmm. um, and things coming to a circle. Um, so much so that he like insisted on trying to find a hospital that had circular hallways, okay. despite it really being in one shot. Um, and then there's also the, of course, the language where it just kind of goes around and, and is mostly depicted in like a circle. Right. Um, and I think that idea is just really interesting because I think the idea of like life and death and how it kind of does revolve around each other, especially with Hannah's death in this movie. Right. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think also there, there comes up a, a philosophical question of, and it, it tackles this in the story more, you know, she's suddenly able to, or she is going to be able to see her whole life, you know, in one instant. She, she doesn't comprehend time like we do anymore. It's not linear. Yeah. Right. Which is, which would be weird, right? Because she, then she doesn't really mm -hmm. die. She's never born or dead. She's always just in a continuous dead. loop. Like what you're saying. Let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. This whole movie. Who would you marry? Who would I marry? Yeah. <laughs> Amy Adams. Oh, <laughs> Louisa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's so cool. Yeah. She's clever, right? And yeah. I would ask her to teach me the language so I can understand it. <laughs> right. Okay. That's a good answer, I think. Yeah. She's just, uh, I just really like her sort of gusto, her nurturing nature. You know, she's, we, we can connect with her and we know that she's like, doesn't want anything bad from these aliens. We want her to go back up into the ship because she's going to explain everything. It's going to be okay. So I think I'd have to marry Ab Abbott. The alien? Yeah. He, Why? Interesting. Because well, he's a big sweetheart. I mean, he's one. He's down there <laughs> to like help the humans. But then also he sacrifices himself for them. You know? That's true. You're right. And even before that, he knows he's going to die. He, he throws out all their languages so that, you know, that they can, uh, they can get it. He's yeah. a sweetie. And then he keeps knocking on the glass choice. because he knows what's going to happen. So he's yeah. like trying to get them out. <laughs> yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. Interesting, interesting choice. <laughs> Not particularly drawn to aliens in that way, but I can definitely yeah. see your answer. Well, I'm more of like um, a personality <laughs> over like physical. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, he's definitely a sweetheart. You're right. That's so funny. If, if we could, could we go back to the circular topic? Yeah, I'm sorry. Our, I'm sorry? Our, com our conversation's like a circle, also, so it's good to go back. Great, because yeah. you're gonna edit it. And speaking of <laughs> editing, uh -huh. um, so just to tie in like another idea of like non-linearness, mm -hmm. non-linearness, it really implements. You know what the Kuleshov effect is? No. It's basically this concept in film where it's like this little. I, f I believe it's Russian, but there's this small film that um, Kuleshov made. Um, where you see a shot of a man and then it cuts to like a bowl of soup and then it cuts back to the man and then it cuts to a, like a shot of a woman. And the idea is that even though these are very like discrete photos or video or pictures, um, but the way, because we cut back and forth from the man to the soup, to the man, to the girl, to the man, to so on and so forth, hmm. there's this relationship that forms between the two images. And it seems like the man is looking at the soup and then the man is looking at the girl and so on. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this film really kind of implements that entire idea and concept into this film, making us believe that like all of the images in the very initial beginning of the film mm -hmm. um, are already tied into our, I guess like perception of Luis 
Because typically when we watch movies, from beginning to end, things happen in a very linear fashion. But to, in, in order to, like, hit home that, like, okay, this is not a linear story. This is not how Louise sees her own life now, especially after, like, encountering the aliens and then understanding their language. They also do it to us in the film because we see her in the future before we actually see her in the present. And it's just so interesting. That idea and like utilizing that kind of Kuleshov effect in this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's very His clever. Noises. And, and it, it, it allows for like this, uh, this really excellent twist in the movie. Right. Yeah. It's just really cool that, that you could tell something like this, you know, this clever little story and playing with uh with visuals in this way i love that i love telling the mm -hmm. end first but not letting us know that i i'm not a fan of of tropes in the science fiction of like aliens visiting and then uh we're worried about them so like oh there's there's a lot of uh tension building we're gonna attack them before they attack oh, us like, uh -huh. I, mm -hmm. I, I particularly don't like the the lines which you hear in every alien movie pretty much of like, yeah. oh, you know, what happens when an advanced civilization meets like less advanced look oh. at history? Because I feel like that's that's just sort of one viewpoint where they, they neglect to, well, one, if aliens were smart enough to get here and to evolve past the idea of war and blowing themselves up, then I don't think they're going to be mm -hmm. worried about whatever weapons we have. Um, and I think they'll also be aware that we might be aggressive coming in, you know? I think to look at the other mm -hmm. viewpoint and to use another analogy from our world, if we were to go visit like an island in the middle of nowhere where they haven't had contact with the outside world ever, I think we would expect like, hey, we got to be careful because they might want to attack us because they don't know who we are or what's going on. I, I just, I didn't, I don't like that as like a tension builder for a story, you know? To me, as, as someone who doesn't watch or read as much science fiction as you do, um, I didn't even realize that that was a trope. But I think that's pretty valid. If it's already redone a lot and you find that obnoxious, then I think that's incredibly, like I keep saying, valid. I mean, correct me if, I, if you don't think so, but I feel like the story at the final very end, thankfully, isn't so much about the aliens because it kind of uses that as a catalyst for her own relationship with her, the past, present, future, as well as her daughter. Right. Um, and I feel like at the very end, it, it doesn't do it so much. Um, and the, the, the ending is like satisfying enough where it, that kind of does trump over the, the tropiness of the alien conversation. Right. I do. I agree with that. And I think, you know, cause that isn't, that really isn't the purpose. It's just sort of a, sort of a Hollywoodness. Uh, we have to put a conflict in here, which obviously there's not mm -hmm. much of a conflict yeah. outside of that, right, except their right. own internal thing. What do you think mm -hmm. about the, the look of the aliens and that sort of reveal at the end? that they're well, Like what gigantic. they look like? Yeah. It's funny because the, the moment you say gigantic, for some reason I was compelled to say like larger than life, which I think is maybe the point that they're larger than life, larger than time, really. I don't know any other, too much about aliens to say anything else <laughs> about that. <laughs> well, I, I, do, I do like the idea that they're, that it's very simple, you know, and even the reveal of uh, when we see more of them, it's nothing too wild because I think that... Yeah. That uh, that would like really distract us. I think if if uh, if they chose to put a bunch of eyes or like a human face on on that body or something, you know. I think this very much is like lends to Denise's style, which is kind of simplicity. Immediately when people ask me what what do I like about it, I always just like there's so many things, there's so many things. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I'm just like grasping for everything. I guess maybe we could briefly talk about the music. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh. Pretty pretty stellar, pretty stellar soundtrack. Especially the song that happens. Uh, it happens when the credits start, but it also happens when uh, Jeremy Renner <laughs> when he starts doing that voiceover of like a montage, and it's that it's that very vocal music like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was really accurate. <laughs> I loved that. That was so cool. And I think... You know, very tribal sounds, right? Yeah, and it works well. Exactly like what you're saying. It works well with that that whole... Uh, the motifs of the movie. Analogy. It's funny that you say... No, me. It's funny that I brought up tribal and then you talked about how it fit into the motifs. Mm-hmm. The, there is this difference between the first song that plays, which is incredible, mm-hmm. on the nature of daylight... And then like the tribal music. And I feel like maybe that was probably, that was probably intentional in the way that they wanted it to be like this difference of modern, very synthy, well, not synthy, orchestral music, as opposed to the very kind of tribal um, music as they're trying to learn this advanced kind of language. We the less uh, advanced. Oh my God. Yes, less advanced group of beings as opposed to these advanced kind of um, aliens. Right, um, that is interesting. Never thought that, of it that way. That song does come up when they're when they're starting to make the progress, you know, when they're actually communicating mm-hmm. with these things. And of course, the, like the incredible, incredible violin piece at the mm-hmm. very beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Max Richter, I believe, he's done a lot of good stuff too. It's funny that you you picked this movie out, you know, with it without my intervention. And uh, about mm-hmm. a week ago, I walked downstairs and my mom was watching this movie, you know, before I even asked you on. Really? Oh, yeah. It was weird because it was it was the last scene and that violin song was playing and it's so distinct. And I hadn't seen the movie since it came out in the theaters, which was like five, four or five years ago. But I knew exactly what she was watching. It like, boom, I know this movie. It's this song. So in a way, you know, he's crafted this song. It's sort of stuck out on my own timeline. In the images that follow it, but they also very much associate this song with Arrival because I think I think there's something about just the, the way that Denis has crafted all these images and visuals and mixed the sound in so well mm-hmm. that it's just, it's so unforgettable. It's so unforgettable. Yeah, I, I, it's cool to see that you like this movie so much. I think- uh, I know, I, think... I can't stop sighing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, that's what, uh, that's why- we're filmmakers because we love movies. Uh, speaking of which, can you just to yeah. get a better feel for your taste? Uh, what are some of your other favorites? Yes. So recently, my friends and I have been binge watching um, Ghibli movies. Okay, so I'll name right. a couple of those. Mm-hmm. I think my my top four. No, no particular order for these top four. Okay. Just because I don't put me on the spot like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard. But um, Mononoke is definitely one of them. Mononoke Hime, um, Kiki's Delivery Service, Pass on the Sky, and a very also Miyazaki, but not the Miyazaki, um, from Up on Poppy Hill, Goro Miyazaki. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah, those are definitely... It's good. It's incredible. And I think it also does an incredible job of mixing visuals with music really well okay um so much so that it really just sets like it really just sets a tone um not in the same sense that arrival does but florida project is on the that list okay florida project yeah the ending sadly not a fan of okay because it's so cap it's so captivating up until the last part shoplifters um by corrieda yes probably room that's a really good movie before I let you go, do you have any, uh, how, how have you been doing with the quarantine? I'm doing all right. 
right. I'm doing all right. I think I've, I've, I do have another project that I, one, have to do because I, it's an honors project, but of course it's also a film project. So I guess I do have like an upcoming project that I'm kind of writing. Okay. Um, when I have the mental capacity to do so. <laughs> <laughs> right. The drive. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Watching a lot of movies. So. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad to. Yeah. And uh, so, so where can uh, people see your work? Cause you've made some pretty great stuff in the past. Yeah. Um, one of them is routine. It's probably, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm so hesitant on saying this, but it's probably my best work so far. Um, despite it being made around the same time Arrival came out, actually. I think so. Okay. No, I may be a year off, but that's on YouTube on my YouTube channel that I don't really post on just because it's more there for, for in case I want to link people to it like right. now. Right. The name of my YouTube channel, it is Cassie Chang. It's okay. not very marketable. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Cassie Chang. I think that's if good. you can find me. Yeah. Okay, great. That is uh, C-A-S-S-I-E-C-H-A-N-G. And uh, I didn't memorize that. I'm just looking at the actual word on my screen here. Thanks to Zoom. Great. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool to see. Yeah. So you've got some stuff coming out so people can, uh, will be able to look forward to that. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the film that's currently in limbo right now. Right. Which uh, <laughs> looks like it'll be pretty sweet from uh, some lucky BTS that I got to see. VIP BTS. Yeah. Well, thank I you. I hope I didn't sound too crazy. No, it was excellent. You uh, certainly enlightened me a little bit on this movie made me like it a little bit more and uh, i want to thank you so much for coming on here it was great talking to you thank you for having me thanks again to cassie chang for joining me today on the discussion hope you enjoyed the movie and talking about it and i hope you can join us for our next film la casa lobo or the wolf house available on the fridacinema.org website we'll be talking about that in a big in-depth discussion so uh and it's always great to support a nonprofit. Thanks again for checking out the podcast and thanks to at the work of Re on Instagram for the picture in our profile. Stay safe, stay home, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs>